On this episode, we discuss Windows getting a cloud restore feature, what HBO Max is shaping up as, and we'll analyze a bunch of casting news for the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. Plus, there's a release date now for the Deep Space Nine What We Left Behind documentary. And Geek Wars is back with a special themed episode. This and more in this week's show. I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. This is the official guineageek.com show. Here, we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven. But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we roll on Gunna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy! Gunna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show. Welcome to episode 297 of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew and I am pleased to say that the man who has really dominated this show, Chris Farrell, is here again this week. Sup, dog. Sup, dog. What are you, Randy, whatever his name was? I don't even remember his name anymore. Randy Jackson? Randy Jackson, is that what you are? No. Randy Jackson was the guy from American Idol. He always said dog. There's a lot of people that said dog. It was part of the common colloquialisms that were used for many years. Uh, again, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, it's Randy Jackson. Randy Jackson owns that. But we are pleased to say both Chris Farrell and I, even though we disagree on dog, we are both pleased to agree on the fact that we're happy that Michelle Ely is back again this week. Hello, Michelle. Hi. And speaking of dogs. Ghost is a good boy. Aw. <laughs> so for the audio listener, there was a, I think it was a Funko Pop, was it? Funko yes, Pop? Of, yeah. of Ghost, Jon Snow's Direwolf. You know, one day maybe I'll go ahead and check out that show. I hear that it's really just hitting its its stride right now. I, I heard it's hitting its stride, its, its peak. Yeah. <laughs> you could say it melted a lot of iron. <laughs> All right. So Michelle Ely is a fellow Gunna Geek networker. And if you missed it uh, last week, we were mentioning that Stargate Pioneer is going to be away for several weeks going into September. So we'll have some guests going on. And uh, we had Michelle on last week, but we've got Michelle back again this week. And Michelle, for those people who may not be familiar with you, if they want to check out other work that you do, where could they find you? Well, I'm the co-host of two podcasts on the network. Starlight Tribune and Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I also play a game of riffs that is streaming on the Welcome to the Party Twitch channel on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Well, we're pleased to have you here. And we've got a lot of fun, geeky topics today, including we're digging out Geek Wars. Yes, Geek Wars is coming on back with a special themed edition. Let's go ahead and move on to our news, though. Let's kick it off with some Windows news. This is something that uh, is probably long, long overdue to come to Windows. And this was posted last week. And it's looking like Windows 10 is going to be getting a, uh, we'll call it a 
macOS like cloud restore feature because Microsoft's announced that they are looking to improve the experience when you're refreshing or, you know, reinstalling a Windows 10 PC. And that right now they're currently testing a new quote cloud download end quote feature when you are resetting Windows 10 or if, say, the hardware fails. The idea behind this is that it's going to use the cloud to help restore and reinstall some of the common things that you look to restore when you are reinstalling a copy of Windows 10. And of course, being cloud-based, that means you don't have to worry about backing it up to a thumb drive like is common with the current version of the Windows Restore feature. So this is something that is currently in testing, and it's similar to a feature that was in and is in the Surface lineup kind of announced, I think it was last year, but I guess they're testing it for sort of Main Street Windows SA. I was trying to say Main Street USA, but that didn't really work. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this works because there are a lot of third party support tools that I've seen out there before made by those various manufacturers and they don't always work that great. And often the software that comes with those manufacturers tools, I won't name names, <coughs> Aces, <laughs> uh, is a little bit bloaty. So, and, and Acer, <coughs> sorry, I should say both the Aces. Uh, but anyways, yes, I, I'm interested to see how this all works with Windows 10 because I really, really, really think that this is long overdue, especially considering they really have become a, a powerhouse in the way of cloud architecture. Like OneDrive is really good. They've got a whole other as your thing, which is a bunch of servers. So really interested to see how this works and also whether or not they charge people for this. Chris Farrell, what is your thoughts? That was my question too, is what is the cost for this? And for me to be able to have backup of my files, is it charged to my OneDrive account? Is it, what, what is it charged to? And how are they then protecting it? I think that Windows backing up to a OneDrive seems like the logical step. They have not backed off of OneDrive. It's something that they've continued to integrate in a variety of different ways, and they're going pretty hard with OneDrive. And there's no real signs of them giving up on that. So I think it would make sense that it somehow ties into that. I just think it would be really handy. Uh, one of the big reasons I like having Android is because things work so well if I get a new phone. They really do. And same thing with like if I throw on Chrome. Everything's back to how it was on my computer. And I like the idea of having a little bit more ease when I am reinstalling Windows, because you do have to do that occasionally with Windows. And as somebody who has another installation of Windows coming up here, because I'm still waiting on my motherboard to arrive, tweet me if you want more information on that. I, I really, really, really will take any time savings. <laughs> Michelle, do you often reinstall your computer? Uh, fortunately, knock on uh, knock on wood, I haven't had to do that yet. I thought I almost had to. Um, I don't know what happened one day, but I had to like uninstall a bunch of stuff and then reinstall some stuff. But I didn't have to do a complete uh, reinstall of of Windows. I am surprised that we haven't even heard rumblings of this for a while because. I think it's safe to say that you're you're in the minority there with having to reinstall Windows. It seems like Windows is always having to be reinstalled by so many people. And it's shocking because 
anyone who's owned a Windows machine for years knows that sometimes you get these situations, even if they're not often, but you get these situations where you just got to reinstall. You got to reinstall to get performance back, to get things back to how they were. And I think that uh, because that's been a core part of Windows for so long, this is long overdue to have something like this. In any case, we'll see what happens, how much they charge for us, but any way to get away from the crappy version that is the current version of the Windows backup tool, because honestly, it's terrible because of how it relies on a jump drive and things like that. It's really inconvenient, super inconvenient. So, Stephen, are you just going to go Mac OS in the interim and just use Time Capsule, I think is what Mac calls it? Do the, Make the conversion. You can let us know what it's like being a podcaster slash video producer goes from all Windows to all Mac. It's a science experiment. Do it for science, Stephen. Do it for science. Just going to switch the title bar and go on to a better news point than Chris Farrell telling me to use a Mac. What do you got for your news point here, Michelle? Well, I have news about yet another streaming service that's coming, and that's HBO Max. There's no set launch date, but it's basically probably going to be sometime in 2020. But I have news about what can be watched so far. Obviously, HBO will be included because it's like in the name. Also included will be BBC shows such as Doctor Who, which is going to be exclusive. Other shows from the BBC include the original The Office, Top Gear, Luther, and The Honorable Woman. All 236 episodes of Friends. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Pretty Little Liars. Warner Brothers produced dramas airing on the CW Network, which that'll happen after the Netflix deal has expired. HBO Max can tap the libraries of Warner Brothers, New Line, DC Entertainment, CNN, TNT, TBS, True TV, The CW, Turner Classic Movies, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Crunchyroll, Rooster Teeth, and Looney Tunes for shows and movies. Though Warner Media hasn't provided exactly what they're going to mine for this service. Light, Netflix, and Hulu, they're going to have original programming. So far, they've made a deal with Rutherspoon and Greg Berlanti, who has about 5 million shows on TV right now. Uh, there's going to be The Flight Attendant, starring Kaylee Kuoko from The Big Bang Theory. Other shows include Dune, The Sisterhood, Tokyo Vice, Love Life, Gremlins as an animated series, Station Eleven and Made for Love. So it seems like a lot. I'm surprised that they're listing all of these other libraries that are going to be in there. It's very surprising to me, especially when you consider the cost of several independent services that are kind of sort of encapsulated in, in, in this, encompassed in this a little bit. Like, I don't know. For now, bear in mind, they're probably going to pull as much of this back as they can. They have the rights to friends. And to a lot of people, that's a big deal. And there's other people like me who couldn't care less. But supposedly that drove a lot of people to Netflix because they want to be able to rewatch friends whenever they wanted. It's the first time the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air will be streaming anywhere. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air I always have a soft spot for because in college, that was the song, the root or the show the roommates and I would watch at like three in the morning and scream the theme song to. So I'd rewatch some of that, but it's the <laughs> streaming debut for that. Where it gets interesting and where they haven't quite filled in the picture is at one point in time, they're talking like it would be 
a separate service from HBO now, and there'd be crossover on HBO content, but not necessarily HBO content as soon as it would drop on, say, the channel on HBO now and things like that. But they need to explain how this is different than HBO now or HBO go if you're a cable subscriber to kind of, at least in my case, who is a cable cutter now, make a decision as to whether this is a service I want. And then also compare the cost between HBO now and HBO. What is this one? I always screw it up. HBO Max. I can't keep track of all the names of these things. So I've been thinking a little bit about the whole cord cutting thing. And just because of arrangements that I've got, I don't think for me, cord cutting in Canada is as feasible as it is for some of the Americans compared to sort of the deal that I've got going on with cable right now. It's really hard for me to make the case to cut the cord when you look at the price of the individual services. However, I was actually last week after our podcast thinking a little bit about some of the streaming options that are available. I think Michelle had mentioned something about um, the CBS uh, pricing and whatnot for the all access. And that kind of got me thinking and everything about this. And what I kind of came down to, if I was going to cut the cord, I would probably look at number one, what is available to me network wise on demand for free even if it's got advertisements on the web or whatever, right? Because there are some networks that you can go ahead and you can watch afterwards, you know, next day or, or, or whatnot with some advertisements. And then I would look and see what am I watching that I can't do that. And I would look for a package that encompassed most of that or gave me options to most of that. And so I think when you look at something like HBO Max, that's kind of what they're trying to do here. So it looks like they're trying to pick a variety of different genres, a variety of different things and a different offerings to get people to go, okay, we know, we know we've got a whole bunch of different $10 a month services with a bunch of different companies. And we know you're not going to pay for all of them. But if you come to HBO, HBO max, sure, you don't get everything, but even if we charge you a little bit more, you're still getting a good array of things. And I think that's kind of maybe what the target is here is just sort of a big splatter of entertainment. That's kind of what I'm seeing when I see HBO Max. And that might appeal to some people. I still think the problem with this, though, is they have not appropriately made the case for why me, as an HBO Now subscriber, would want to transition to this new service. Does it have all the HBO content like I asked? Depending on what day you ask and what news source you read, potentially. But right now, most of the other stuff they have is an added perk on this. I don't watch Doctor Who, so it doesn't matter to me. I don't necessarily care about watching Friends. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air would be a novelty concept to watch a few episodes, but there's nothing here that makes me go, oh my God, I would drop HBO now in a heartbeat and pay X dollars more per month to get HBO. I can't, I screwed up the name again. I forgot. HBO Max is in the damn sidebar and I can't remember it. Uh, and remember, AT&T owns them. Warner Brothers. They're also launching another two AT&T streaming services now too. So I have no idea what their plan is. They're going to be like, let's make all the streaming services we can to figure out what actually sticks. I have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's part of like just spewing all the stuff that they possibly could do just to see like who bites. Because, you know, one of the things that hasn't been discussed yet is the price. And just for comparison's sake, I collected some of the pricing for some of the uh, streaming services that some of us use. And they're all about $3.99 a month, right? That's all, right? You know, about four bucks yeah. a month, right? Yeah, I wish. <laughs> CBS All Access is $5.99 a month with ads, $9.99 without ads. D 
DC Universe is $74.99 a year or $7.99 a month. Disney Plus is going to be $6.99 a month. Amazon Prime, that's $119 a year or about $12.99 a month. But you have to remember with Amazon, you get like music and shipping and Twitch stuff and et cetera. Hulu, $5.99 a month with ads, $11.99 without ads. Netflix, $8.99 a month for one screen, $12.99 a month for two screens, $15.99 for four screens. And HBO on its own, is $15 a month. And that's with like, if you get a month of HBO, one of the things I like to do is when you have Amazon Prime, you can just like add and turn off stuff. Like I turn on stars where my mom wants to watch, you know, Atlander and I turned on HBO for when I want to do Game of Thrones. But really you could just have HBO on a month, binge everything and just turn it off and you just have $15. So considering all of this, First off, if you have a lot of this, this is almost like the cost of cable uh, subscription. You know, I mean, really, just how much could they charge? How how much do you think they could get away with? So there's been a rumor. And real quick, also, Disney Plus is going to do a yearly subscription fee, too, supposedly, if you can pay $70 up front for a year, which kind of makes it a bit more palatable to people. But in regards to HBO Max, I follow the Cord Cutter subreddit. I read Cord Cutter News and things like that. The rumored price, and it really made me scratch my head, was $17.99 a month. And I went, well, if HBO Now is $14.99 a month, and this is $17.99 a month, and this is supposed to have all the same content as HBO Now, is that their play here? To be like, the value proposition is pay an extra three bucks a month, and you get all this extra content? I, I don't know. I think it would also be interesting to see whether they partner with Amazon like CBS has and Stars and stuff like that to basically do channels on the Amazon streaming service to make it easier to subscribe and unsubscribe at a whim. But for $17.99 a month, if that was the price point, I think it's viable. But you're also talking the real high end of the spectrum for that. Marginal increases for significant content differences is not necessarily unheard of with anything subscription. Like if you look at Microsoft rolling out Game Pass recently or Game Pass Ultimate, the price of Game Pass Ultimate is is like a fraction more if you were to pay for it monthly than uh gate than Xbox Gold on its own. So someone who's paying for Xbox Gold per month on their own, it's not costing that much more to go to Game Pass Ultimate. Um, and so I think a lot of companies are kind of recognizing that bundling services together for a little marginal amount more than the lower tier is enticing for people because they go, okay, well, it's only going to cost me a few bucks extra a month to do this. And then they they hope that they hook them in, right? Like with the Game Pass example, they hope that they get someone for a few bucks more a month. They go, okay, I'll just go ahead and give that a try. And they never cancel. Or they go, you know what? I, I play a game a year. It's worth to me, whatever, right? And I think that probably if that is, rumor is true, same thing here is they hope to get enough people that go, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about getting HBO Go but HBO Max for a few bucks more, I get all this content and oh, look, I can maybe scale back some of my cable package or whatever. Right. I think that I think that it's not a bad marketing decision to to price it just a little bit more than HBO Go. But I'm interested to see what the price does end up being, because I think you you definitely 
brought up a really good point, Michelle, with the way that you've uh, gone over all of these individual prices because it's it's a lot. It's a lot for these subscription services, and if they're offering a lot of content for not for like really seventeen bucks a month, which isn't terrible when you look at the potential large library, I think that it's uh it's definitely head scratching how they can do it for like seventeen ninety nine if that's if that's the case. But the real thing is, is it content you care about? That That's the thing is Netflix has originals I like. Amazon Prime does. Hulu has originals people tell me about. There's nothing that they've described here original-wise that makes me go, oh my God, I have to have this. Now, I know my wife is going to want it because it's the only place to find Doctor Who now because it won't be on Amazon Prime to rewatch things. But there's nothing, at least in this service, that makes me go, I have to have it. Whereas there's other services that do. Maybe that'll spin up as we get closer to it. Like, Disney Plus, it's not out yet, but they've listed all this stuff that's coming and I go, oh, I've got to have that. HBO Max, not there yet. Yeah, well, I think when you look at some of the the things like the CW and um, TBS, I think there's the potential and Adult Swim. I think there's the potential for this to appeal to people who are thinking of cord cutting for the, you know, sort of those few things alone, because those are traditionally places that people do get from like add ons or extra packages with their cable provider. But I guess it depends on how they play it. Are they playing it like the next day after it airs? You can stream it on this service similar to what you see in Hulu or things like that. Or do they play it as you've got to wait for an entire season to come like we see with Netflix on things that are not Netflix originals? There's too many questions right now. It's super interesting. Don't get me wrong. And I'm still thinking if it's an extra three bucks a month, I may just upgrade just to have that extra flexibility because I can turn it off whenever I want. But that's the problem with most of these new services is there's too many question marks until you get to right around when they launch. And seeing as this is what early 2020 is the rumor they were throwing around for this to release. It's, it's too soon for me to know. I'm intrigued and I'll watch it. And I'm sure the rest of the folks in the cord cutting subreddits and stuff like that are going to be all over it. But if I had to make a decision today, it would be yep, wait. So I'm supposed to get, a cable cord and cut it is is that what cord cutting is i've heard you throw you on this it. term a long time you kill the cords okay gotcha gotcha just punch them in the face repeatedly and those cords are gonna die so i'm going to cord kill is that what you're saying Cord kill yeah well don't don't use don't say cord killers that's another show that's on before us but I, i'm shocked uh, i have no idea what we're talking about here because again i'm in canada and options suck uh, moving on to the next news point here, crisis casting. What? There is a crisis with the casting of Chris Farrell, the Lifetime movie? What? No, no. The Chris Farrell autobiography is not going to be on Lifetime. It's going to be on the Women's Entertainment Channel because that's the only channel that would pick it up. <laughs> they have such low bars for their standalone movies. Like, oh, we guess we'll pick this up. We'll show it at like three in the morning. How dare you insult yourself? Because I thought you were saying that because of the fact that you always do entertain women because you're a very nice individual. <laughs> You're a very kind individual. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, I won't argue with your wife. (laughs) But Crisis, what Stephen is referring to, and we've talked about it on here before, is there is a great comic book miniseries from the 80s called Crisis on Infinite Earths, where DC took their multiverse of comics, condensed them into one universe, and it's been teased for about a year that these CW superhero shows are going to do a crisis of their own. Boy, howdy. They're bringing a bunch of people in and there's a lot of extra rumors about who might be coming in. But as part of the Television Critics Association Summer Press Tour, they announced the piece that has me the most excited. SP teased it in our group chat that we have, so I kind of had to had to go with this story because I felt bad otherwise. But they did announce at the Television Critics Association that Kevin Conroy 
aka the voice of Batman and Bruce Wayne from Batman the Animated Series and most modern cartoons and the video games, things like that, will have a role in Crisis on Infinite Earth as an older Bruce Wayne. So maybe we get the Bat voice too, but this is one of those real cool moments as a fan of the superhero cartoons growing up and stuff like that. I've talked about on this show, many other shows, when I read a Batman comic, the voice of Batman I hear in my head is Kevin Conroy. So I'm really excited that he'll have a chance to live action portray the role that he's been playing since, what, 1991, 92, I think, when Batman the Animated Series came out. It's been a while. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, when I saw this, I was completely shocked of two things. Number one, that it was happening because yes. although we've had like pretty much very clear, let's throw everybody in here that we can possibly get. And more on that as we progress. Exactly. I uh, I was shocked to see him because like that's pretty, pretty left field because it's a cartoon, right? Uh, but second thing I was shocked about was that Chris Farrell's still alive when he read that. I thought for sure that was going to be a heart attack. My heart's not in that rough of shape, Stephen. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah, this is all exciting. There's a bunch of news coming out about this crossover. Gosh, Kevin Conroy, I know. That animated series. A lot of people are like, well, what about if we get Mark you know, Hamill as the Joker, but Mark Hamill is the trickster. It could happen. It could happen, though, because we we have uh, confirmed that uh, Brandon Routh is going to play a version of Superman. So we could get it. We could totally get it. That and is I, true. I love, I love that you brought that up. Yeah, because I guess in one Earth, he could have become the Joker instead of the trickster. So, yeah, it's possible. He is the trickster on multiple Earths that they've established. And there's also a really cool DC animated short they did that actually stars Mark Hamill in it with all the characters he voices. And these characters come and try and kidnap the actor Mark Hamill for ransom. And the whole gag is Mark Hamill, the actor, keeps changing his voice to pretend to be one of the other characters and cause them to fight. So Mark Hamill could exist and they could just bring him in as Mark Hamill. I have no idea. It'd be pretty awesome. But Kevin Conroy's coming in. That's exciting. There's a bunch of other stuff that came out of Comic-Con and the Television Critics Association about what they're doing. Steven hinted at already. Brandon Routh will reprise his role as Superman. He hasn't been Superman since what? 2006, I think, was Superman Returns. 2005. It's been a long time. But with a twist, he'll be Superman from the Kingdom Come books, which is an older, wiser Superman who's kind of seen the next coming of heroes take over. And I don't want to say much more about Kingdom Come Superman, but it's going to be incredible to see on screen. Some of the other stuff they did also confirm just, I think, today or yesterday that the CW television show Black Lightning, which is also their Berlanti show, will cross over with the rest of the superhero shows as a part of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Which I think it's important to mention that the character Black Lightning will, however, the series will not have a tie-in to the crisis. Yes, until after Crisis happens and God knows what they do to the multiverse there. Yeah. So this, this is a who's who of people that are returning. They confirm that Tyler Hoechlin is returning as Superman. We've seen him on Supergirl and in the last crossover. Elizabeth Tulloch will return as Lois Lane. She will also return with their baby that they teased in the last crossover. So that's going to happen. We know that Burt Ward, Robin from the 1960s Batman series, will have a role of some kind in the crossover. They haven't stated whether he's going to be a grown-up adult Robin or what. But how cool is that? Burt Ward from the 60s Batman series is going to be 
on this show in 2019 where they cross over all these other DC universes. That's phenomenal. Now, let me ask you this. All very exciting. Very, very exciting things that we've talked about, especially Burt Ward. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I think that that is definitely up there in the ladder. But one that is a long, long, long awaited that we still have no information on is Tom Welling. Uh, any information on Tom Welling? So it depends on where you talk to. And up until about a half hour ago, there were lots of rumors I'd seen that Tom Welling was in the talks to return as Clark Kent. Then I saw an interview that Mark Guggenheimen did that uh, sciencefiction.com picked up that basically squashed the rumor that said Linda Carter and Tom Welling were going to appear in crisis. He basically said it's BS. It's made by BS outlets. This isn't happening. So Tom Welling presumably not happening. Linda Carter, presumably not happening. But I know Stephen Amell has been lobbying to get Tom Welling on as Superman. Linda Carter has a pre-existing relationship with the Supergirl universe. So it's possible, but Guggenheim pretty hard squashed it. There is another rumor that is going around while we're talking about Smallville, though. He has not squashed this yet, but I'm not 100% sure I believe it. There's a website called We Got we got this covered.com. They have broken other news in the past, such as Viola Davis returning for the Suicide Squad movie or Taskmaster being the villain in Black Widow. They are reporting that Michael Rosenbaum will have a small cameo as Smallville Lex Luthor in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Do I believe it? Not necessarily. Do I want to see it? Oh, hell yes, because Rosenbaum as Lex Luthor was pretty good stuff, especially as Lex got more and more malevolent and evil as the series went on. I would love to see both Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum return to their roles. and You'd have a grown up Smallville world that basically comes into play. And remember, they've done some Smallville teases. The last crossover, they played the theme song. I was going to say, if they do not have a Smallville payoff in this, then they have taken a big misstep, in my opinion, because during the last year's crossover, not only when they go and they go all of a sudden to... Um, Clark's Ranch. Uh, what was this? What's the official name of it? The Kent Farm. Kent Farm. Thank you, Kent Farm. I can remember if they actually called it that or not. But when they went to the Kent Farm, they played the Smallville theme as they cut to it. And more importantly, it was actually filmed at the place that was the Kent Farm in Smallville. So they really, really heavily teased that. Great fan service. But when your last year's crossover goes and sets up a bigger next year's crossover, which is pretty much the entire tension, intention of last year's crossover was to set up this year's crossover. If you don't pay that off, if you tease fan service and you don't pay that off, that's a letdown. That was a little Easter egg, though. But we do know for a fact that Allison Mack's probably not going to be on this show. She has her own legal troubles. And uh, Sam Jones, the third who played Pete, probably not coming back as well because he also has his own legal troubles ongoing. So really, if you go think of the main cast members, you're talking Clark, Lex. I would love to see Justin Hartley return as the Green Arrow, too. And you could have multiple Green Arrows throughout the multiverse there. They tease that, too, though. They totally tease that. But Justin Hartley's a bit busy with This Is Us, which probably makes him a lot more bank than being the Green Arrow did. Okay, but also Tommy Merlin made an appearance right at the peak of uh, what's he on Chicago Fire? Not anymore. He's not. He was, though, and he made an appearance on Arrow during episode 100 right right at the peak of that. So, like, it can happen. That's true. So part of me wonders if Mark Guggenheim saying, no, these are not absolutely not happening in regards to Tom Welling and Linda Carter. 
is just trying to preserve a secret. I'm leaning more towards the fact that he's being legit with it because he literally calls out some of those trash sites that make up rumors and basically spread them and they all go around. Literally calls them out by name in this interview. I'm not going to do it on here because there's no need for that. So I kind of think if he's coming down that hard on a specific site, it's probably not thinking these guys are going to show up in the episode. Because if you call a site out and then they show up in December when this airs, that's not good credit karma for that site. They're like, look, we were right. And he lied about us. Ha ha ha. Look at the sources we have when they didn't. They just made crap up. I agree. And and it is disappointing um, because it it does seem like he's pretty hard on that. But I want to see some tie in, some form of tie in. And you know what? I'll take I'll take Rosenbaum for sure. I like that. That'll be the Smallville payoff for me, even though I'd rather have Welling, much rather have Welling. You know, and even um, the arrow idea is not a bad idea. The green arrow idea. What if they got Laura Vandervoot to come back as Kara Kent from Smallville and you could have multiple Supergirls in the crisis? That way, when you kill a Supergirl, you don't have to kill the Kara from our show because crisis in the comics, they kill Supergirl. You kill the Smallville Supergirl or something like that. That'd be cool. Of course, the other side of the coin on this is that they teased it just as fan service because they want that's all we want to give you because we don't want to tie into Smallville. That, that that's one of the things that they could be making an active decision because really Smallville was the only real popular teen drama version of superheroes for a very 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 long time until the CW T, uh, superhero universe came. Let's be honest, it didn't go full superhero till like season seven out of ten. True. Before that, it was mostly teen melodrama and things like that. Well, this was a fun talking point, and I know, Michelle, you have a few other things to say about this, so I'm going to turn it over to you. Chris Farrell and I will will stop arguing. We've been arguing and not giving you a moment to talk, so we'll definitely keep our mouths closed for a minute here. Well, one of the things I do know is that Marv Wolfman is going to be one of the writers. He actually was part of the team who gave us the original Crisis on Infinite Earths comic book storyline, so it's going to be interesting having someone who actually did the story back in the day working on this. As for the Smallville, it would be nice if we got another callback, whether they go back to the Kent farm. That would be great. Would I love to see someone from Smallville on there? I would. I think it would be great. It just, you know, Yes, Smallville was a team drama for a very long time, but it paved the way for Arrow and for all of these others. So we can't discount Smallville at all. You know, there's a lot of good news coming out from this. I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Black Knight Lightning um, because it would be interesting if they did fold it in. The... It's the way if you watch Black Lightning, it actually can be folded in because it does sort of like exist in its own little part of the United States away from like Central City and Star City and such. So there is a feasible way of folding in it if they wanted to. I have to say, I, I will admit I haven't watched Black Lightning because I've had such a tight TV schedule with all these other things. And once I heard enough people say it's okay uh, and, and just kind of leave it at that and it wasn't part of the universe, I didn't watch it. If I got confirmation that it was 
definitely going to be like folded in, I probably would binge it. And and honestly, this one cameo might be enough to get me to get caught up because they're on season three this year, is it? So there's yes. only there's only two two that's been out. I might I might try to watch it before season three comes out, but just because and they're shorter seasons, aren't they? Yes, they're uh, ten or thirteen episodes. So I might give it a run now that I know that they're going to at least use the character in there. But it was something that I never heard people say like it was it was the greatest show or like it was super awesome or anything like that. It just seemed like everybody was kind of just lukewarm on it. So that's why I didn't bother. But being folded in, possibly having an impact because of crisis, I might I might give it a try. I might give it a go and see. Well, we'll have a have a look at my schedule and see what I can fit in there. Well, this is really fun to talk about, and I feel like we could talk about it a lot longer, which is why I'll quickly move on to our extra, extra news point here and just mention that, yes, the release dates for the Crisis uh, crossovers has been confirmed now, locked in. Supergirl is going to kick it all off on December 8th. Batwoman will be the second version, which is Monday, December 9th. The Flash will be the third, which is on Tuesday, December 10th. And just when you're like, oh, this is so good, so good you're gonna wait until january 14th of 2020 for arrow to take part four and part five will conclude all with legends of tomorrow on tuesday january 14th to 2020 so we've known for a while it was going to spill over 2020 they announced that early on but these are your dates so you're looking at uh over a month between part three and part four so cry over over christmas you can get together with your family and speculate and watch again and and cry a little bit more. I think that's what they're going for is during that period the the fan community around these shows is very active. So I'm sure there's going to be tons of theories and conspiracy theories that come out of. I mean, just think how bad it gets between Marvel movies and all the conspiracy theories that came out between Infinity War and Endgame. They're going to get some of that same feeling going towards Crisis, I bet. I'm really looking forward to these. I I definitely am. Uh, even though I felt like some of the crossovers have been a little hit and miss and there's been some pacing problems. Uh, I had a little bit of pacing problems last year. I'm looking forward to see if they do just go all in now that Arrow's closed up. Like, because this is, I think, the, I don't think this is the last episode of Arrow. Isn't there like supposed to be a couple after that? But uh, it's pretty much towards the end of the Arrow run. And I look forward to seeing if they just like, Flip the table. And for those of you wondering about Legends of Tomorrow, that's actually going to be classified as a special Legends of Tomorrow and not the season premiere. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't actually realize that. Thank you for that. And lastly, in our extra extra section here, we're just going to give this a quick acknowledgement because uh, I know Chris Farrell and I both confirmed that we have ours pre-ordered for tomorrow. That's right. Recording this on Monday, August 5th and tomorrow on Tuesday, not Monday again, Tuesday, August 6th, the release of what we left behind the Deep Space Nine documentary is coming out. For those of you who haven't followed this, there was a uh, documentary that came out this past year and did a bunch of screenings over this last year, and it was all about Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And apparently in there, there's a fun little thing where they get a bunch of the writers together and they pitch the idea of what they might do if they were to go and bring back Deep Space Nine and, and write an episode for that. Uh, and so I did do a pre-order on this. I know, Chris, you did as well. I'm really looking forward to this because 
I really, really enjoyed Deep Space Nine because it was very different than a lot of things, but it was really the first Star Trek that kept that big overarching theme of plot telling. Everything was very episode to episode for so long. Even like you look at Borg, right? The the big pinnacle of the Borg story in TNG was only two episodes and they're kind of like, yeah, we'll come back to it later. So DS9 was very different. Uh, I'm doing a rewatch right now of Deep Space Nine and I didn't realize how early they actually brought in the Dominion. I had this memory that it was way late, but it was it was like season three they brought it in. So I really, really have a special place in my heart for Deep Space Nine, even though it's very different than Star Trek, uh, other other methods like TNG and TOS. So yeah, this is coming out tomorrow and I just wanted to give it a shout out because some people like myself couldn't find this locally, couldn't find uh, screening and also were very sketched out by the website because they didn't have proper HTTPS certificates on there. So uh, at some point that happened to me. So I'm happy to see that I was able to pre-order it on Amazon, a very reputable source on Blu-ray too. And it wasn't that expensive either. And I, I thought they were priced pretty 20 fairly. bucks, I think. Yeah. It wasn't bad. Yeah, really fairly. Uh, Michelle, have you had a chance to see this? Did you have a chance to see this documentary when it was doing its roadshow? No, I just heard about it and it's something that I do want to watch. Cool. Well, I look forward to talking about it more in the future, but I did want to mention it now. Chris Farrell, what's your what are you excited for with this documentary? I'm really looking forward to watching it, mostly because I want to see what they had planned for the future in it. And then I also heard that Avery Brooks watched it. And for those that aren't familiar, Avery Brooks is the actor who played, portrayed Captain Sisko. And he's not been the hugest fan of some Star Trek stuff afterwards and some of the efforts to continue things and he watched it and said this is really good i would watch it again and from coming out of avery brooks that's a good sign i don't want to make it sound like he's negative on on star trek he's just kind of taking a step back because he's like i don't want to be defined by star trek i really enjoyed it but i just don't want to be defined by it there was rumors i remember early on with my online presence it was focused around sci-fi and star trek forums and there was always rumors that he wasn't the nicest to work with on the later seasons of DS9. Now that could just be rumors. And I think, I think it's kind of showed that maybe he never really like was locked into the concept of Star Trek with how much he did. He did just step back afterwards. Uh, but the thing is, I, I think there's some interview type things to do with him in this documentary from what I've heard. But yeah, he didn't actually, I don't think, actively participate with us. I think it might be old interviews or something like that. So I'm looking forward to see so we can talk about it a little more in the future. Let's go ahead and move on to Geek Wars. Alrighty, we're just talking about Star Trek, so let's go ahead and continue that on because last week when we had Michelle Ely on here, we were very, very, very Heavy into none other than Jean-Luc Picard. Michelle's news point was all about how there's a cash-in on Picard plots and other merchandise and packages and things like that all happening with uh, trying to really capitalize on the Picard name. And we also talked about how there is a, a Picard series coming up and they just dropped a trailer. So I thought... Let's do a Jean-Luc Picard-oriented version of Geek Wars. So all of the questions today will have something oh to do with Jean-Luc Picard. And uh, if you haven't 
listened to an episode where we've done Geek Wars before. It's just a fun little way to go down memory lane of something geeky. And this week is going to be about Jean-Luc Picard. And so I will ask a question and then Chris and Michelle will have an opportunity to buzz in. They must say their name. And if they... Their name. Every you, time, every time, every, every time, time. I know. I know. How can I? How can I get around that, Michelle? I need your help now this, that you're here. This is an homage to JS. <laughs> he started it. So they will have an opportunity, and if they get it incorrect, the other person can also try to answer and steal the point. So, are you ready, Michelle? And your name? Yes. All right. We'll start off with a softball. We all know Jean-Luc Picard as the English captain. Well, where was Picard born in canon? Chris. All right, Chris, what is it? Labar, France. It is indeed. One of my favorite parts of Picard. <laughs> it's like you, you could show people several episodes of, of TNG and be like, where is he? Where does he live? Where was he born? Where is he brought up? And no one would say France. <laughs> one of my favorite parts of it. All right. So this means that currently the score is at one for Chris and zero for Michelle. Let's go to the next question here, which is going to be question number two. As seen in the episode, quote, family, end quote, and also in the movie Generations, name this infamous nephew of Picard's whom died in a fire. Chris. All right, Chris, what is it? Is it Renee? It is Renee. I'll go ahead. Wow, that was fast. I'm surprised. All right. Question number three. What rank was Jean-Luc Picard when he was stabbed in the chest? Chris? Chris, what is it? Ensign? It was Ensign, but there's an opportunity here for Michelle. The way I was going to play this one was there was an opportunity for the other person to answer this follow-up point. And if you can say why he was stabbed, I will go ahead and give an extra point. Oh. So, Michelle, you can have an opportunity here. This was a, this was a little switcheroo type question. So, Michelle, you can go ahead and try to answer this one here. Do you know why he was stabbed? This is just showing how little <laughs> I have remembered. I don't know. Is it, is it because of... Uh, was it because of like Wesley's oh, Crushers thing? Or I don't know. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, the po bonus point will lay on the floor there, but I, I want Chris to see if, do you know? Do you know why he was stabbed? He accused some Noskins of cheating at whatever the table game there was, cards or pool or something like that. I can't remember. It was Domjot. It was Dom a, basically Jot. a bar yeah. brawl, a bar yeah. brawl over a rigged game of Domjot <laughs> is what it was. All right, so Chris is at three. Michelle is at zero. Sorry, Michelle. It's okay. I figured. <laughs> All right. Finish this famous Picard quote. They invade our space and we fall back. <laughs> they assimilate entire worlds and we fall back. Not again. End quote. Cr Chris. All right, Chris. What was it? <laughs> the line must be drawn here. Ow, Keep going. That hurt. Keep going. That's the finish. He no, no, he throws uh, his phaser uh, into the glass case. The, the important part of that continues. So the line must be drawn here. <laughs> no, okay. No, it's incomplete. It's incomplete. 
Oops. Michelle? This right. is where we stand? <laughs> no, uh, I'll give Chris a half point for that. It is the line uh, must be drawn here. This far, no further. You need that, la that last part because that's when he gets like really like veiny. So he, sa he yeah. says that the line must be drawn here this far, no further. I looked it up to confirm it too, by the way, that's even funny. though I had that part in my head. I actually had to go back and look at the previous part because that answer was the part that I had in my mind when I wrote the question and I had to see what was the lead up to that. It is a meme in and all of itself <laughs> at this point. So Chris will get a half point for that. All right, three and a half. All right. Question number five. Here's a tough one. Uh oh. Patrick Stewart is, of course, Jean-Luc Picard. But over the course of Star Trek, other actors have portrayed Jean-Luc Picard. There was the Tom Hardy version, which Okay. Which is indeed Jean-Luc Picard because there's a picture that you see in the movie of Jean-Luc Picard Young played by Tom Hardy. There was the aforementioned cadet version because there was another actor that does play that at one point during that episode. But what was the other time that there was another actor that played Jean-Luc Picard? All I want is what was that time? I don't need what an was episode. The time? What, was, what, what was the situation where huh. another actor played Jean-Luc Picard. Chris. All right, Chris, what was it? There was a transporter accident with like Guinan, Jordy, Roe, and Captain Picard where they all got de-aged like the age of what, 12 or 13? And then the... the uh, I increased your point to four and a half. I, I increased <laughs> it. That, that was the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good episode. All Sorry right. for all the spoilers on a 30-year-old <laughs> episode of TV, guys. I apologize. Now, fun fact, actually. Um, when I was researching this, uh, the actor that played that was actually the kid that first played Renee um, during that episode, the family episode. Apparently, the, per the kid that played Renee also played de-aged Picard. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Yeah. Question number six. In 2333, a lieutenant com as a lieutenant commander, Picard assumed the command of which vessel when uh, the captain was killed? Think, 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 think. Chris. Chris, what was it? It was the Stargazer. It was the Stargazer. Yes, it was. All right. Uh, question number seven. Uh, what is the full name of the famous instrument that Picard learned to play while living his probe life? Ooh, that's tough. Ooh. Oh, God. I cannot give you the full name. Going once. Going twice. Chris, Resic and Flute. Oh my God, I'm walking away. Like I'm ending <laughs> it right now. How did you get that? Wow. I had to stop and think. It's it's a pop culture touchstone. Oh, right? I watched geez. a lot of Star Trek now, as a kid. Now I just feel bad, Michelle, because like I thought he would. There was nobody getting that one. Like now I feel like I've written these for Chris. Like, wow, that's that's uh, that's impressive, Chris. <laughs> Look, you're talking to a kid when I was a kid, no joke, watched these episodes all the time and had the episode guides they would print out. And on road trips, I would read the episode guides to Star Trek TNG that I had already watched multiple times. So random weird trivia gets stuck in my head sometimes. And I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. Well, question number eight. The Borg is one of the biggest themes to many different Picard storylines, but... 
what episode did introduce the Borg? The title you want? I want the title. Ooh. Anybody? Ooh. No, going once. Going is twice. It Farpoint, is it Farpoint Station? No, it's not. No. It's not. Going twice. It's around that same time frame. It's season Sold. one, I think. It's Q-Who. Q-Who, yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah. Q, ah. Q takes them, takes them, flunks them away. Because he thinks they're arrogant because he because Picard says something to the effect of we can handle anything that's thrown yeah. at us. He's like, ha ha, handle this. <laughs> <laughs> Kent got it in the chat room though. Question Well done, Kent. Well done. Question number nine. Uh, what was the name of the Hollow Novel novel character that Picard liked to play? Hollow novel. Oh, oh, oh um, my god. Oh, it was a detective guy, right? It was a detective Chris. guy. All right, Chris. Dixon Hill. It was Dixon Hill. Watch a caboose, Dix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the last question, which we're going to go ahead and see. You, I always make the last question. Well, lately I've been making the last question, so you can come back. For two points each, not including Beverly Crusher. I'm not giving you that one. For two points each, name lovers or love interests of Picard. Jean-Luc Picard. You have character names for love interests, and there's one in here that's not really, but I'll take it. Chris. All right, Chris. Here's the first one is Vash or right. Bosch. All right, Chris got two. Let's go ahead and increase his points. Okay. Uh, Michelle. By the way, this go back and forth. Michelle, if you want to chime in, you can say Michelle. And, and Michelle. All right, Michelle. The Borg Queen. That was not one, but I'm gonna go See, ahead. I was thinking the I'm same gonna go thing ahead too. and give it because I actually didn't think of that. But I, I believe that that's a fair because of the technically, especially with all the speculation surrounding the trailer, I think that that's fair. I didn't have that on my list, but I will go ahead and give you that. Uh, okay, so we've got Borg Queen, which I, I actually think is fair. Um, uh, there's a uh, Chris. All right, Lieutenant Darren or something or. Darren Neil Neela Neela Darren. Yep, there you go. Uh, so that's 11. 11. That's okay. the one he plays the flute with, and yep. she has the keyboard. Yep. Okay. So we got Vash. This is Darren uh, Borg Queen. Uh, Michelle, you care to chime in? Sorry. I can't re I mean, well, he wasn't really John Luke Picard. I mean, when he did his probe life, I can't remember who played. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. The wife there. I can't remember the name. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so, so there was, uh, I, the I think we've room. exhausted them, but I'll, I'll give, I'll give you a chance for one last one. The, the, I, we still don't have my, I'm going to take it, but not really, but only because he confessed to it during a plot. Guinan? No, no. Uh, <laughs> going a good one. Going once, going twice, gone. Uh, I was going to take Waxana Troy because he played it up that one episode. So, because remember, he, he claimed I to be. I just assumed they flirted. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 I was going to take it, but uh, no. Uh, the other one was Kamala and Anij. A N I J. Oh, I forgot about her because that movie is really forgettable. Yeah, yeah. She was, she was the one. The the, what was it? Uh, Insurrection. Insurrection. But there is a bonus point opportunity for Michelle to do just like have this weird fact totally memorized because the bonus point that was to win the game no matter what the situation was was if someone can tell me exactly 
what the command code was that Picard used in First Contact. I will give you the oh, game. What, what was the command code that Picard used in First Contact? Picard Delta 3? No, no, okay. no, no. Michelle? I, I have no clue. If, if somebody knows this, they deserve There was no the way. There was no way. <laughs> I got like no stuff for my job and everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was no way that that was happening. It was a... Uh, Picard 47 Alpha Tango was the command code. Picard 47 wow. Alpha Tango. I'm very let down, Chris, that you didn't know that. You should be embarrassed of yourself. I, I am embarrassed. I just know there are four lights. <laughs> so that means that uh, Chris did win 11 and a half. Michelle had two. And I can't advance my overlay for the video viewers. I don't know why it's not advancing, but... There you go. That's going to go ahead and bring us to another end of Geek Wars. I am completely shocked that Chris got as many as he did. Michelle, I legitimately feel bad right now because I didn't think anybody had a chance the flute one, and I can't believe he pulled that out. I'm not <laughs> surprised. I am, I am older than Chris, so when they came out, I actually maybe watched them once, and I lived in the country, and I actually couldn't watch all of the episodes. So I've actually seen... I don't even know if I've seen them all. I've seen all the important ones and I've gone back and I've rewatched some of them on Netflix, but yeah. All right. Well, next time I'll make sure to um, find something obscure that Chris doesn't know that you know, because uh, I'll have to even it up at some point. If you want me to lose, Stephen, go <laughs> Doctor Who, because I know nothing about Doctor Who. I don't either. That's the problem. <laughs> You're the host. You don't need to know anything. <laughs> Google, yeah, you here just I make come. up the questions. Fair enough. Well, Michelle, I apologize for that, but I do sincerely appreciate you coming on here. I uh, really do appreciate that. I did not mean for that game to go the way that it did. I apologize. I foresaw that moment. I just, Chris is just, you know, you open up his brain and there's like stuff that he needs to know for his life. And then it's just Star Wars trivia and then Star Trek trivia. And that's basically it. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica trivia. Yeah, that's about it. And comic book trivia. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not a trivia person. I'm, But I had fun. I had fun. I, I love the expressions when Chris is like, I should know this. I should know this. I should know this. And I love that expression. Yeah, sorry if you guys listening, you should go check out the video replay at youtube.com slash gonna geek to see me make weird faces. I go... <laughs> What the, what, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. And we can all Feel rest assured knowing that nobody had any concept of the name of that person from Insurrection because it was a terrible film. And remember, always have fun, Data. Yeah. Whoever get, makes the funniest gif of my making weird faces, I'll get you a special prize. Awesome. Well, Chris will donate two of his points to a charity. I, I have an extra digital code for Aquaman <laughs> in 4K. So... Whoever makes the funniest GIF or pulls the funniest GIF of me making weird faces, you can have an Aquaman digital code. Ooh, so that I sounds can like, find it again. Sounds like a challenge. Hey, look, it's Jason Momoa with no shirt on. So the ladies get something in that, too. And a lot of the men, too, because Jason Momoa is an attractive dude. Yes. On that note, before we go, is there anything that you would like to plug and promote? Chris Farrell, I'll start off with you this week. All right. So friendly reminder, I mentioned this a lot. We do stream a lot, a lot of live content over at geeks.live. Geeks.live is actually a URL. You can go there. You're probably there right now. If you're watching this video as we stream this live, scroll down to the bottom of the page and you'll see a calendar of all of our upcoming live events. 
please feel free to hop on in and join one of those other live events and tell them that we sent you. Michelle, do you have anything that you would like to plug or promote? Well, if you liked our talk about the crisis event, you can always check out more to talk about it with Starling Tribune. And also, we Gunner Geek has a Discord and we get on there and we talk about trivia and we complain about everything. I mean, it's all it's all good fun and such. We've got channels for each of the shows, general channel, one about just comic books, one about TV and films. It's fun. Yeah, lots of fun. And I really like on Discord when all of these uh, announcements have been coming out about all of these actors and actresses coming in. And it's just like you can just read the OMG coming out of everybody who's re- seeing them and responding. It's fantastic. Uh, last thing that I want to go ahead and say right now, if you have gone and followed us to the end of the show, I want to know, do you want more streaming content to do with the show? Because uh, we're always looking to see where can we refocus our efforts. Obviously, for the last little while, we've gone and we've worked on building the Gunna Geek Network and whatnot. And I want to know, what do people like? Because we are obviously a podcast network and podcasts are largely audio based and largely distributed as after content. But on this show and some others, we've built up live build up that's great english steven we have built up live audiences and there's a different sort of audience for live shows so do you want more live stuff i would love to know that i'm gonna put that call out there i'm gonna go ahead and ask that a little bit more because i do gonna geek out of the fun of creating content i made it no secret in the past that i got into podcasting because i actually used to love doing fun video projects and so podcasting was kind of a bridge of a way that i could refocus that creativity a little bit, still have a little bit of fun, a lot of similarities, but I didn't have an avenue for fun video content until, of course, you know, a few years ago when the internet changed. And so if people want to go ahead and see some more live content, I'm I'm all for looking at, you know, maybe putting a little bit more focus on that on the Gunna Geek side of things and seeing what we can do for more live stuff than, you know, edited and posted, post-processed and all this other stuff afterwards so please do let us know if you want more live content i'm happy happy to see what options are available even if it just ends up being a camera of chris walking around his house we'll see what we can make make that happen i mean i do have security cameras in my house so i guess you could hack that feed yeah for sure put it up on a live stream i think so and i also think that my personal best live experience was that time that chris farrell accidentally left his webcam on afterwards and i gotta say he talks to his action figures that he has all over his walls it's really odd really weird and the life-size spider-man over my right shoulder that's don't true. forget him i that- talked to him a lot so on that note for episode number 297 of the official show i'm stephen john Drew saying thank you very much michelle for coming on again i apologize i didn't think anyone was getting the flute question Hi, I'm Michelle, and I want Tom Welling, just in general. (laughs) I'm Chris, and King Kong ain't got nothing on me, Hoss. I think we all want Tom Welling. I think that's fair. That is not the crossover we needed, Chris. for checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions which stream mondays at 8 45 p.m eastern at www.geeks.live 
And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.